So we are in a series uh, on BLESS being an acronym of a theme that God put on our heart as leaders back in the fall. Uh, super excited about this series. Uh, I want to be clear that, that these are not, this is not a system. These are missional practices that are very, very much rooted in the scriptures. We see this uh, modeled by Jesus. We see this uh, walked out uh, through uh, God's love and, uh, and grace with the, the nation of Israel. Um, and uh, and this, is, this is what we are called to as missional people within the, uh, the places that we're planted and called to be on mission. Whether, uh, and I, I want you to get familiar with another acronym um, we like those things around here. Uh, Frank. Uh, so we'll be talking about that throughout the year, but all of us have, a, have Franks. So that's friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, and coworkers, okay? We don't know how to spell Frank. We spell it with a C. So like, um, but that's, those are the people that we need to be sensing God's affinity for us. And real, realize this, that when God gives us favor with someone, that's really more about him than it is us. It's more, really more about his kingdom than it is about our kingdom. And, uh, and so it, the, the, uh, the, the propensity we have often is to think, oh, wow, people like me. Um, well, God loves you, and God wants to use you to love people. And that might be why that you have favor with that neighbor or that coworker, or God might be opening, uh, tearing down walls with a relative. Uh, so I want to I review real quick where we've been and then jump into this, this Sunday, which is we are, uh, we are called to serve and love. And so uh, what, what we've, uh, we've walked through this acronym. We've already been through three of them. The first one, uh, BLESS, the acronym B stands for what? This is an open book test. It's on the wall. Um, so begin in prayer. Uh, the second one is what? Listen, and you'll see as we continue to, uh, one of the things we're, we're doing as, this, uh, as, as we unpack this for, for you is, is God is unpacking it for us. That's kind of the role that we have as pastors, the joy we get to have is that God unpacks it to us. And so we, 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 we usually get more blessed than most because uh, we get to firsthand experience these things. And God is continuing to give us, uh, you know, we discover and, uh, and develop new initiatives that are related to these things as God imparts. But we begin in prayer. Um, and, and I've written a few things that we've kind of come to see and understand together. We're trying to, to give concise description for each of these areas. And so um, this, this whole this whole initiative, missional practices, flows out of Genesis 12.2. And in Genesis 12.2, it says this, and I, God is speaking to Abram, and he says, I will make you a great nation. This is to a man that um, at this stage in the game is 75 years old. His wife is 65. They have no children. She is resigned to her barrenness, and God is telling him that he's going to make him a great nation. Uh, that might require a little bit of faith. Um, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And here's the so that. Pay attention to the so that's in Scripture, so that you will be a blessing. So we see in the Scriptures that when God blesses us, his hope, his desire, his goal is that we would be a distributor of the very things that he's given to us, that we would be a blessing to others. So we're blessed to be a blessing, as we often say. Well, in this acronym, we begin in prayer. And here's a description for you. Jesus came to find those who were lost and to help those who were hurting. As we seek to join him in his mission, we begin with prayer, recognizing that we can only do this with his help and power. God has given us his spirit very distinctly to be witnesses. 
to, to be those that uh, declare the wonder of what God has done, to share our story, which we'll look at next week. Uh, next, we talked about listen with care. Listen with care. Um, and here's um, something we've discovered or developing. To bless others, we must begin with listening rather than talking. Jesus often engaged people by asking them questions and loving them through conversation. When people are heard and, understand, and understood, they feel safe, they feel loved, they feel valued. And so, you know, we see it in John chapter 4, at the woman at the well, Jesus intentionally, divine appointment, intentionally went to this well, dismissed his disciples in order to have a conversation that nobody else was having with this poor woman that had really intentionally put herself on the outskirts of her community. And Jesus bro broke all social barriers, got out of his comfort zone if he had one, and, uh, and he began to have a conversation uh, with, uh, with a woman that, um, that, I mean, with a woman, one, and with a Samaritan, two, um, and someone of her status. And, uh, and this would have been, been earth-shaking for her. And he listened, and he shared. Number three, we talked about last week, eat together. We really kind of emphasized that as Pastor Trevor talked about hospitality. And here's the description. To bless others, we seek, um, we seek was... I must have written that wrong. To bless others, we seek to share a meal together. Through simple acts of eating, we, pra we practice hospitality, building community, and deepening relationships. So the, the goal here is not to, to eat, <laughs> right? Um, Jesus, we see, uh, I love Chad brought out such a great point last week that, you know, two of God's covenants, the most profound covenants, the Passover and the, and the new covenant established, were established over meals, Right? Jesus invites us. Uh, he stands at the door and knocks, Revelation 3.20. If you'll come, if you'll open the door and, and, and invite him in, man, he says, I will eat with you. But it's not about the food. Listen, what, what God wants to do and has done for us is he's invited us into an intimate relationship with himself. And what God wants us to do in response to that is he wants us to invite others into intimate relationship with himself through us. And that means we've got to get, like Ashley said, out of our comfort zone. We've got to open our hearts, open our doors, we got to get outside uh, of our four walls and our comfort zones, and we got to be willing to invite people into our lives so that they might see His. And that's that's the joy of being on mission with Christ. And that brings us to the first S, which is serve. Serve. So, how are you doing at um, serving others the way Christ has served you? How are you doing at that? How are you doing at um, at washing feet, at recognizing the need, the immense amount of need that surrounds our lives and being sacrificial as Christ was in order to step into that need and be a need meter. I love Dennis says this often. He says, we need to live more simply so others can simply live. And, and that's true. Uh, is that not what Jesus did? Did Jesus not limit himself? Did, did Jesus not step out of himself? It says in Philippians 2.5, it says, we should have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. That word means held on to. means that he let go of his divine 
he limited himself in all ways. And he says, he, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very form of a servant, being made in human, God took on skin and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why? Because there was no other way that you and I could experience his love. And this intimate relationship that he, he came to purchase for us. And you know what he did for us? He served us. He took, out his, he took off his outer garment, as John 13 says. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And what he tried to explain to Peter, when Peter was like, no way, is like, unless you let me wash you, you will not be clean. He was pointing to the cross. And that's exactly what Jesus wants us to do for others. And so today's title is Saved to Serve. Have you ever thought that that might be the reason that you've been left behind? That we're in this, 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 this pledged, engaged pattern with Jesus where he's making us into his radiant bride, but in the process we're filling the great mission that he's given to us in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and that we're going into the, to the world like as you go, that's what it means, go into all nations and baptize in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit and teach them everything that I've commanded you and I'm gonna be right by your side and I'll be with you to the very end of the age. But Jesus came and served us in ways that we couldn't serve ourselves to meet a need that was so evident and obvious to him, but maybe not to us. We thought we were alive when we were truly dead in our trespasses and sin. And he came that we might have life and life to the full. This is the glorious, gracious, generous God that we serve. And he loves to give himself. Do you know what the greatest gift God gave us was? Himself. I had a sweet friend um, for years. He would say it all the time. And, and I'll never forget it. He said, thank God for God. Listen, man, that's the greatest thing that you'll ever receive. And, and the truth is, it's enough. It's more than enough. God has, when he purposed to serve us, he wanted to give us the very best and he gave us himself. Even more so, a father gave us his son. He purposed to crush his son so that we might be healed by his stripes. We are healed. So, saved to serve. Ephesians 2.10 is where this kind of births for me. It says, we are, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. That's the NIV. There's the ESV. So, but you know, like here, here's what God's purpose and plan is, is that he saved us on purpose for a purpose. Like we wouldn't be here, we wouldn't be made these masterpieces created in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That at the cross, God reformed humanity by his love in his infinite mercy and grace. And when he rose from the dead, he put to death, death. The sting, the victory was, was had. And we're the recipients, but Christ was the martyr. Man, it's a, it's a glorious thing to take in, but because of his masterful work, we become masterpieces. And what does he want us to do? He, he purposed, like he purposed for us when he saw it, it says before the foundation of the earth was laid, Christ was crucified. This wasn't, a, this wasn't an afterthought. Before day one, Christ was, what, the mission was planned. 
And Jesus was on the precipice waiting to be radically obedient to the Father because we know this. In Hebrews it says, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. The joy set before him. Do you know that you're the joy of the Lord? Do you know that, that your salvation, your reconciliation, your, your homecoming your, is, is what brings Jesus joy? And what did he do for that to be accomplished? He served you. And what does he want so that others might be saved? He wants us to serve in like manner. So some of the things we're going to talk about today, what does that look like? What does it look like for us to sacrifice to the extent that Christ sacrificed so that I might be saved? What does it look like for me to give to the extent that God gave so that I might know him and others might know him? What does it look like for us to be the hands and feet of Christ? So this has been asked. How many of you have ever been over to the old office? You know, we just recently have moved over here. How many of you have been? Raise them high. How many? So probably more than Trevor and I speculated. Trevor's guys. <laughs> I've been there. So if, uh, if you had the occasion or the privilege to go to the bathroom over there, um, you would have come in contact with this, one of the footprints pieces that are in the bathroom. But what, what is... <laughs> what's, what's going on here? Hey, can you see that? Okay, looks like some, someone got a hold of him. He has no hands. And guys, that's not because he's broken. That's because it's a demonstration or a declaration that we are the hands and feet of Christ. We are his hands. And we leave that, you know, I'm probably going to put this out in the foyer for the rest of this year. Because I want us to be reminded that it's God's directive, it's God's ideal that we're the hands and feet of Christ. That we get to be the tangible expression to a dying world. Do you know that wide is the road that leads to destruction and many will find it? But that the heart of God is that none should perish and he wants us to share his heart. What does that commission us to do? To be the hope to the hopeless. To be love to the loveless. To, to be those that express this, this glorious God that is so generous that sometimes it just leaves us with, with awe and amazement and we sing amazing grace. But, but we're, this is God's A plan and he, he, he's not coming up with a B. Like we are his hands and feet. And the truth is we get to be his hands and feet. We get to be an expression of God's love and grace and mercy. But guys, it's going to come at a cost. Guaranteed. Look, Jesus came into the world with a mission to rescue the captives, to display the glorious love of Christ, of God, right? Like he came to heal what was broken and to, to give sight to the blind and, and legs to the, to the lame. And, and what did they do? What did humanity do? Which we're part of. They killed him. Here's the deal. Like, I, I'm, I'm, we, must be, we, we must be true to the scriptures. It says if you want to live a godly life, you, you better get acquainted with persecution. Jesus said, they hated me, they'll hate you too. You know why? It's the same scenario that happened with Cain and Abel. What did Cain, well, I mean, what did Abel do? He just offered the right sacrifice to God, first and best. And, what, and, and Cain gave him his leftovers. And God said, I accept yours, Abel. I don't accept yours. But if you do what is right, won't you too be accepted, Cain? 
And Cain, it says that he got angry and his face fell. Whatever that, I'm sure that negative emotions cause countenance issues, right? So like, but here, like, what, what we have to understand in this moment is Cain didn't take that out on God. He didn't take it out in the right place himself and, and repent and make changes. He took it out on his brother Abel, who all he did was make the right, he was obedient to God. Guys, it's not going to be any different for us. It wasn't different for Jesus. If you step out there and go out to the places where your faith is without borders, where you walk upon the waters, where you're in the, the, the deep waters that God calls and leads us to, it's gonna, you, you need to count the cost. You need to know that it's going to be a sacrificial act. You, know, you need to know that, that, that people aren't going to like you. I mean, but I'm loving them, Pastor Colin. I'm giving to them sacrificially. They, they're going to love me, right? No. It's this crazy thing that our nature doesn't like. See, darkness doesn't like light because it exposes our sin. But what happens is along the way is we love those that, that just don't understand the wonder and the love of God is that God in his providence orchestrates these moments like the prodigal son, famine, brokenness, hurt, healing. He said, in this life you will have troubles, but take heart. I've overcome John 16, right? But here's the thing. We get to walk into those moments as his hands and feet, and we get to declare his love. We get to come in and listen with care and pray and serve and invite them into a meal or maybe they start to ask questions and we get to give the answer for the hope that lies within us because there's been evidence in our life that there's hope that's not circumstantial. That my circumstances aren't dictating my emotional response that looks much like the world. No, there's a contrast that takes place because there's hope. And, and I understand that, the, that we shouldn't be surprised by the light and momentary afflictions, by, by these things that are happening to us as if there's some strange thing going on, the scriptures say. Joshua said this. He said, this is in Joshua 25, 15. He says, um, he choo says choose for yourself this day, verse 14, whom you will serve, verse 15. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Now, so I spent more than 50% of my, my study on this particular message doing one thing. I, I, uh, <laughs> I did a word study. I don't know if you've ever done this. If, how many of you have version on your phones or a tablet or whatever? Okay, so in, in version, there's a little um, um, eyeglass in the corner, search icon. If you click on that, you can, you can put in anything and you can search. It'll search through the scriptures and then give you, and I do word studies with that, which is really helpful. And, um, but when you punch in a word like serve, you might get a few thousand verses, right? <laughs> so there's 33,102, something like that, verses in the scriptures. But I think I got about half of them. No, I'm just kidding. But I got a lot of them. And so started to work my way through those verses. And you know what I discovered? Something pretty rich. And I want to share it with you this morning. So the words serve, both in the Greek and the Hebrew, um, are, are very tightly connected to what? Do you believe? Worship. Serve and worship. And I also saw that when it, when it relates to us serving others, that there's a correlation to bless. 
And what, as you continue to go through this, you know, what I, what I come to understand, especially in the Old Testament, if, you know, cho- choose who you might serve this day. What is he talking about? He's talking about idols. He's talking about other gods. Listen, we, we are who we worship or what we worship. Like what we serve is going to mark our life, define us in our, in our thoughts and in our doings. And here's the other piece that I discovered is that, um, that we're only to serve one. You know, we're here, we're here talking about serving others in love. And the scriptures definitely speak to that, right? Um, Galatians, for sure, like serving others in love. But here's the thing. We are called to serve God by serving others. Let me ask you a question. How do you share your gratitude with God for all that he's done for you? How do you, do you, do you pay him back by working it off? That's definitely not the case, right? It's a free gift that's been given to us in Christ by faith. And, you know, Chad pointed this out this morning. Listen, listen to this. I think this is really cool. It's kind of the blessed to be a blessing passage in the New Testament. So in Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says this. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Gift of God. You did nothing. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. And then it's, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared in advance that we might walk in them. Do we see it, guys? We're blessed to be a blessing. We've been loved to love. We've been served to serve. We've been given to give. This is, this, and this is, God's, this is God's hope for what he's done for you. So back to the question, how do we respond to such a lavish gift? How do we respond to what God's done? Do we earn it back? Do we pay it off? No, it's been paid in full. We we respond in gratitude by serving others. I'll, I'll, I'll clarify it with this piece. Remember Jesus said this? He said, basically, if my command is this, love one another. He said, if you, if you love if you love the least of these, then you've loved who? Me. Isn't that the glorious God that we serve? Think about like, like the intention and the heart behind that. Basically says, I've done all this for you and I will continue to manifest and reveal the wonder of the magnitude of what I've done. Because I've quenched your sin debt, past, present, and future. It's total, it's full, it's complete. But, but what I want you to do in response because I don't know about you, but like if you were to do something for someone to that degree, don't you kind of maybe in your humanist start to go, man, uh, I might have a little bit coming back on that one. <laughs> you know, but that's not God. God's saying, you know what I want you to do in response to me for what I've done for you? I want you to go do it for them. And that's the essence of serve. Guys, you want to worship God? Do you? Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. So living sacrifice, what does that look like? That looks like us sat doing what Jesus did for us. Giving, serving, uh, meeting need. And here's the, here's the big deal. Like, he's going to do that uniquely through you, Paul. 
He's going to do, do that uniquely through you, Miss Catherine. Like, and he's going to do that so uniquely that it's, it's, it's a Martha issue, right? Like Martha thought Mary should be involved here, right? You know, Luke 10, like, why isn't she helping out, Jesus? Tell her. I, I don't think that's a good idea to tell God what to, I'm just saying. But like, but tell her, right? And here's the deal. Like, Martha, like, we got to be careful we don't have a Martha mentality. Like, just because God has shown you a need in the church, in the community, in your home, doesn't mean everybody sees that need. Maybe God has assigned that need to you, and he's equipped, and he's called you because he knows what he's woven and created in you. And here's the thing. We don't often know what God's capable of doing through us. Because we have this tendency. We have this tendency either to run out in front of God and tell him, I got this, okay? I say it's Moses at 40 or Moses at 80, right? Moses at 40 says, okay, I'm the, I'm the deliverer of, uh, of the Hebrews. And he, and he runs out and he's going to deliver the Hebrews, right? And he kills a man. I don't think that was God's plan, right? And then 40 years later, God shows up and now he's a stuttering man you know, and, and it been significantly prepared in the Sinai to lead millions of people by shepherding sheep. Don't ever underestimate this season of life as preparation. And then God comes to him in a burning bush experience and says, after, you know, going sandalous, that here's the deal. I'm, I'm going to send you to be the deliverer of, of your people, my people. And what does he start to do? He makes a list of his limits. Guys, please understand, the moment God calls you to a mission, it's always going to be bigger than you. It's always going to be bigger than you because it's a God-sized mission. And the moment we start to take personal inventory, it's very easy for us to go, hey, that's not for me. And then God wants to remind us who made, his, who made our mouth or whatever else he's looking to use in that moment. Guys, don't take personal inventory uh, when God gives you a task. Realize the one that's called you to the task and nothing is impossible with God. Does that make sense? Because, listen, when God calls us to serve, he wants it to be something that we depend on him for. And if it's, if, if it's within our sweet spot or our competencies, we don't need God. We can get this. We can do it. And God doesn't call us. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Right? He, he equips those that, that feel like, I mean, <laughs> look at the disciples. Listen, God wants to use you. You are, you are planted at, at the place that you're working. You are planted in the family you're in. And all of that is broken. Please. We're so good at pointing out all of our brokenness and all of our, everybody else's problems and frailties and how, you know, they've got problems, you know. Um, but man, it's a broken context. Did Jesus come into a broken situation? And did, did he bring the healing of God's love and mercy and grace? And this is the same thing that God wants to impart through us. But God wants us to realize that the mission is always bigger than us. The task is going to re require us to be in radical dependence on him and realize that he's bringing resources to the, to the, to the project, to the mission, that... That isn't, that isn't even in, in our skill sets yet, maybe. And this is where God prepares us. This is where God trains us. This is where God moves and makes us as he is continuing to rescue the world. Do you know that God is passionate about this? The fields are white to harvest, man. 
Pray for workers. My God, do you know that you have been, you have been saved to serve? You, you were Christ's mission so that you might be a mission to someone else's redemption. And man, we can get so wrapped up in our careers and our families and our stuff and our doings. and Man, and that will just weigh us down. Anybody there? And distract us from why we're here. Look, God, the mission that God's given you, and listen, it, it's, it, you, it's probably not going to happen if we sit on our couch in our house. It's, it's as you go, go. Because I, I don't see people banging down the, the doors of the church to get in. And Jesus is surely saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He is our peace, our Prince of Peace. But they're not, they're not running through these doors. You know, God's plan is, is that we run out these doors into our mission field and we become the light to the nations and the salt to the earth. Does that make sense? Because we live with this mentality, come and see, come and see, let the preacher tell you about Jesus. When, when really the mission is go and tell, go and tell about the good news that God has done in your life. I've put a spirit in you so that you might be a witness to the nations. Acts chapter 10, we'll talk more about this next week, but Acts chapter 10, Peter shows up. He's kind of like, I don't have a clue why I'm here. I can't believe I'm in a Gentile's house. I mean, like, I, I just saw a bunch of food come down three times. I know I'm hard-headed, you know, like, but, and something about, you know, he makes clean things and stuff. But, but you know, Cornelius is like, good of you to come. Tell us your story. Jesus, I mean, Peter just says, oh, okay, I mean, I, I better be obedient here because God told me, you know, like, and he starts to just tell his story of how he would, had met Jesus and his experience. And you know what happens? People start believing and the Spirit of God starts falling on them. <laughs> Guys, this is what God wants to do, but, but there's, there's, there's ground, there's hard ground that has to be tilled. And it's, it's the heart of your neighbors, co-workers, family members. Does this make sense? And you know how that, that ground gets tilled? The same way yours did. Love, prayer, service, caring, listening hearts. And this is the missional practices that we're talking about. Because we have to earn the right to be heard. Our, our life has to bring credibility to the gospel and that's something that God will do as we, as we purpose to be his instrument in the lives of those around us. Man, we're so good at building fences rather than relationships in our neighborhood. Do you know your neighbors? Do you, do you wake up on, on work days and go, God, man, help me, help John see you today through me. Help, help Mike know your love today through me. And I bet you, you go to work with a whole different goal and objective and joy when you realize it's a mission field and not a place where you generate income. But God will take care of you. But God wants us to be on mission. He wants us to do what he's purposed and planned and, and purchased us for and to. This is, this, guys, this is where the abundant life is. I promise you that. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Let me tell you why I believe that. Because we have this broken belief or perspective that the Christian life is about uh, we get poured in and we go get poured out like a gas tank or how we drive our cars. 
when the truth is the biblical like picture that we get of this abiding relationship with Christ in John chapter 15 of him being the true vine and us simply being branches but that the fruit comes out of us is that we we have to remain stay at home like consistently and that what happens is that we we live in this overflow it's not pour in oh I'm going to go sit at Jesus' feet and then uh, I got this Jesus I'm going to go I'm going to go do my thing it's like we stay, our minds continue, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, the genesis, the fi- and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. And so what happens is as we continue to not get captured like Peter did by the winds and the waves, because look, you're going to be consumed by whatever you focus on. And so if you focus on, look, we're, we're made to be addicted to Jesus to God. We, we have a propensity to worship something. Eternity is set in the heart of man. The question is, what, you know, who are you going to serve this day? As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. That's the declaration we need to make. Because what God wants to do is he wants to fill our lives up to such a significant way that is not temporary. It's not this fickle, oh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's this constant focus on him, a constant meditation on his word. It's a constant uh, mindfulness. of How else, why, why does it say in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, 18, be joyful always, pray continually, and be thankful for all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's only possible if we pray continually. And that, for me to pray, to have a conversation that's ongoing with the Lord, that's a constant focus. And so what God does in that moment, God wants to fill our cups so that we overflow into people's lives. So, so, and why do I say that? Because sometimes we get all mixed up and we start giving what God's given to us. But when we understand it that way, we understand that our cups stay overflowing. That God meets our needs first. Do you see what I'm saying? Like our cup stays in a, in a mode of being full. Even as we pour out. Because Jesus said it in John chapter 4, I am a wellspring of water, life, welling up inside of you. Eternity has found residence inside of you. And God has chosen to abide with you. And if that's true, he's made you holy, blameless, and righteous. How else could God put his spirit in you as a deposit guaranteeing his sure return, and his finishing work. Man, God desires to do glorious, glorious things in our life. So how did Jesus serve us? By dying in our place, by doing for us what we could never do for ourselves, by relieving our debt, our need, by washing our feet, our hearts, our souls, by showing us the the Father's love, his heart, his way, by becoming poor that we might become rich. He sacrificed so that we might be saved. Do you know that that Jesus, everything he asked us to do, he modeled for us in his life and ministry. Do you see it? This is, this is what Jesus, when you, when, you, when you said yes to lordship in Christ, you said, I don't get to call the shots anymore. I'm just going to do what you do. And I'm going to do it for your glory and not mine, for your kingdom, not mine. I'm going to do your will, not my will. And, 
And, uh, and, and that's going to be a road that's marked with suffering for sure. But there's going to be, you know where eternal, you know where abundant life resides? It's not circumstantial. It's not out here. It's in here. Where, where, did, where, did, where did Jesus say the kingdom was? Within us. And when we're sustained with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, man, it comes out of us. And this is, this, is, this is the life. The life is something that's inward, that demonstrates itself outwardly. I love that Jesus tells his disciples after like, oh, I understand you now. You know, I kind of get what you're, end of John 16. And he said, oh, do you? In moments, every single one of you is going to run away to your own home. And you're going to leave me all alone. But then he says this, I love this. He says, but the truth is, I'm not alone. My father's with me. Guys, you know that God said he'll never leave you or forsake you. That when Jesus calls us to the mission, he says, I'll go, I'll go and do it with you. How, how much confidence does that give you? Because here's, here's the approach we need to have when we're, when we're doing the mission of God that is grand, right? Is that It's that, hey, Jesus is with me. What more do I need? What do I lack in order for this to be realized? Because so often we continue to reside in, in the Moses moment. We're, we're listing our limitations. You know, we're, we're focusing on our problems. We're focusing on our have-nots rather than focusing on who we have. Does that make sense? Like when we focus on, we, we're fully enriched, First Corinthians says, when God put his spirit in us, man, we don't lack for anything in order to accomplish everything. And Jesus said, you'll do greater things than I've done. And that's talking about the magnitude of this mustard seed of his kingdom coming to, to be the biggest tree in the garden. The gospel has that power. Our time is gone, but I believe that God's, God's word has brought great understanding to what we're about as the people of God, right? Right, like Jesus wasn't just... It, this, this Christianity, it's not even That's what the world called it. This, this following Jesus, this being a believer thing is about doing what Jesus did. You know, you know, he says stuff like this. Love them the way I loved you. That's what he said. Forgive them the way to the extent that I forgave you. Give the way that I've given you. You know why? Because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We've got to understand that the real, the real abundant life isn't in having, it's in giving. It's in, it's in, it's in allowing Christ to, to reveal to us the things that he's done for us that we might have the wonder of what we have in him and then ready to just say, you know what, I want others to see that too. We've got we to gotta allow the selflessness of God to manifest itself in us so that we start to give what we've been given and do for others what's been done for us. Ponder this day. Ask yourself, what did Jesus do for me? Oh God, how might I do that for others? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we're saved to serve. We thank you that that's your mission, your objective, your plan. Thank you that we're not left alone to do this, but you are joining us, that you are simply, you're the, you're the master and we're the, 
we're the instrument. You're the potter and we're the clay. Father, we, we are so thankful that it's you that's going to do it and we get to be the tangible expression of your love and grace and peace and truth to those around us. Father, I pray that you would help us to till the soils of our neighborhoods, their hearts, our co-workers. Father, that you would move in mighty ways to, to reach our, our neighbors and our friends and family, strangers becoming friends through the, the ministry of hospitality. Lord, let, let our hearts be fully, help our hearts, God, to be fully engaged in your plan, pattern, mission, purpose. Help us not to be distracted by the winds and the waves. Help us not to be captured by my anything but your everything. Oh, God, we thank you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.